It's the end of days here. (laughs) It is the end of days there. And then I feel bad because you're actually living through it. But I saw a really funny tweet that like made it look like Godzilla was on the skyline. (laughs) And I was like, oh, maybe I should send this to Sarah. And I was like, is it too soon? No, it's really not too soon because so everybody, I live in New York City. Welcome everybody to Fade and Mace. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels and I write them and I'm currently living in apocalypse possibly yes very bad who are you what do you mean who you're am supposed I? to introduce yourself oh i was like what i don't do you know mean, what do you mean who, who am I? I i was like i'm not living in an apocalypse i'm living in chicago <laughs> tell everyone who you are jen i'm jennifer prokop a romance reader and mother of a college-age student who does not have a job leave that baby alone he's fine no, he needs a job. I didn't realize I was going to turn into this person. I was driving home from work today. Oh, one of my like, lot. and I was like, oh shit, that's who I am now. I'm like, angry mom. I don't have a job yet. It was a lot, you guys. We got on. She was giving him the what for. Well, I was just trying to protect him because when Mister Reed Romance comes home, it's going to be how many jobs? Did Little you apply Romance for? needs to give a report. Exactly. It, it needs to be like I applied for this many jobs. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Well, he's going to do fine. He was like, my resume looks crazy, but he's like, but I'm 19. And I was like, yes, embrace that. It's fine. <laughs> Listen, a 19-year-old with a resume? Exactly. Amazing. He's worked at a James Beard restaurant, Sarah. He's fancy. That's, listen, I don't think that's how they refer to them, but I don't way even to know. go. I don't even know. <laughs> um, okay, listen, but let's get down to it, because the sky in New York City is orange <laughs> i really am like do we have any books that we are going to be discussing today that are about air quality specialists no but if you're out there writing an air quality specialist <laughs> um we need you now more than ever everyone. now it's your time to shine <laughs> hey we like cool jobs this feels like a i you know what we should have done we should have done it in a pinch we planned this but we should have done books we should have done firefighters wild <gasps> firefighters because there are yes, so many good ones so many it's true it's like a little too grim though yeah but there's that whole series i gotta i gotta we'll put it into show notes i i'm writing myself a note there's a whole series of wildfire like mm. california set wildfire it's uh, no joke heroes. man it's no joke they Listen. state farm is no longer going to take new insurance policies on homes in the state this of california is, you sent that link to me that's shocking well, all state joined them. Listen, Canada is in a rough spot, though, is what I'm smelling here at my house in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, there are wildfires all across Canada. Our Canadian um, listeners were thinking of you because you're in more of a pinch than I am here, smelling your smoke. Um, but New York City is uh, full of smoke, and the sky is orange, and the sun is pinpoint in the sky which is weird um and yeah let's talk about romance novels though because that's better than what is going on here it's true so this week's episode is stem heroines which you know it's been a classic for a long time Allie hazelwood calls them steminists (laughs) i'm gonna just let that lie there I love look, I love Allie, but I don't love that. Is it called a portmanteau? Is that what it's called? Like, that sounds right. I mean, listen, to- I don't think Allie made it up. Of I course think not. It's a marketing. Allie's publisher yes. was like, I know what we'll call this. And then all the other publishers across romance were like, This is what we'll call these. Yes. We're not that's not what we're gonna call it because feminist is a fine word all on its own. And it's fine. Yes. Yes, I'm okay. Correct. And all right. yes. Um <laughs> so we have I have lots of things that I want to say, but here's the big thing, which is it feels like there has recently, and I'm by recently I mean like in the last like say generation of romance, right? Like so the last decade. Yeah. We have seen a rise Absolutely. in romance heroines specifically who are into science. That is not to say that we did not have these heroines before. So this is our chance to talk about the blue stockings. Yes, let's do it. I mean you could do an entire episode just on blue stockings. In fact, someday we will. I believe it's on a list somewhere. Although we're going to have to figure it out because we're going to probably, you know. Although blue stockings aren't. Here's a question. 
is a blue stocking. See, a blue stocking is literally just like the reference is to here. I've always thought of them as heroines who are a little bit nerdy, like into books and science. Like, but it might be science, it might be math, it might be books, it might be art, it might be like it's sort of they're just textbooky, lessony, governessy heroines. You are shaking your head at me. You think well, it's science. interesting. No, I think it means like an intellectual. Sure, that's what I was going for. I'm just not one of them. So <laughs> I think the thing that's interesting about the term blue stocking is I mean, for sure it it's always like in a historical when like the first man to use this phrase, it's always like a pejorative, right? Like she's a blue mm-hmm. stocking. But it does in fact come from one of these like isn't this it British was society. literary society? Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. You know. What's her name? Um Elizabeth Montague. Elizabeth Vasey? No. Is that the same person? Not, a, not Montague. Maybe they're the same person. What do I I'm know? I'm looking. Nothing. Nothing. I'm looking up. Listen, I'm looking up Britannica right now. I made that up. There is no such thing as no, Elizabeth No, there is. There is Elizabeth Montague, but she is one of the first blue stockings. God, I, Sarah, I'm yes. having like a really intense feeling of deja vu. Listen, We've did I just this pull blue? I, t- I pulled the name Elizabeth Montague out you of did. some previous episode. Was it a previous episode? Did we do this before? I feel like, Jesus Christ, we're on. Listen, this week I tweeted for the, you guys, this is why I should, I should not be on Twitter. I made a whole, I made a piece, I made a little promo graphic because we have oh, like two funny. more ads in August left. And then as you, uh, that'll be the end of the season. The end of the season ends with knockout. Imogen arguably is like she's a stem heroine but she i don't think she's a kind of a little thing. different yes right. yeah um ends with ends with knockout as always and then we're taking two weeks off as we usually do and then starting season six i was told <laughs> but literally if you had put a weapon to me i would have told you it was season five so i don't know anything but somewhere deep in my head elizabeth montague started a literary society called the blue stocking society and it was for, like, smarty pants ladies. Now, when I think of these heroines in historical, and I, I feel like maybe this is where it came up. I, we have not done a whole episode on blue stockings because I check usually. I try to remember. I'm like, did we do this already? And you know what? Sometimes, you guys, it's been five years. Maybe you're going to hear us talk about the same things twice. I'm sorry. And look, sometimes we have different books to talk about, sure. to be honest. I mean. The Jane Ann Krenz, that right, all of, I mean, Amanda I. Quick. Yes, Amanda Quick. When I think of blue stockings, and when I end up for sure, when I was first introduced to them as like a type of heroine, it was in those books. Like when I was a baby romance reader and was like, who is this woman named Penelope or Portensia or something? <laughs> and why does she love fossils? Of always, right? And they always love fossils. They always love fossils. Now, here's the thing. I did not put fossil lovers on my stem list. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like this is all vibes. All it's like it for feels like too. that pornography case. It's <laughs> like I don't, you know it when you see it. Yeah. Now I will also. So I don't know what you want to talk about. There is one very specific historical I want to talk about because I reread it this week. We've talked about it before, but I want to talk about it again because I'd sort of forgotten an entire angle. But you go. I'll okay, so that. I have things to talk about. I have a big list here, but here's what I want to say. So there's the his the history of STEM heroines. Which I feel in romance, which I feel you really cannot even touch this topic without saying, obviously, Amanda Quick. Yes. Right? Like, and those are the kind of fossil hunters, like science y, you know, reading heroines. And then there's like, there was like a pause, and it feels like in contemporary during that time, all the heroines had like, they all had jobs that were really interesting, but rarely were those jobs in science. Yes, I agree. Uh, asterisk, nobody's baby but mine. But she's a professor. Right. Right? She's a professor of physics. She's a physics professor. So, and like Doogie Howsery, like she's like 30 years old and a yeah, tenured professor deal, of physics. Yeah, the deal, right. And the, her job is not actually like a part of her character. Her brain is a part of her character. 
Yeah, well, maybe you're getting at what I'm thinking about, which is now it feels like in the last decade and then even more over the last, say, two to three years, we've started seeing heroines whose job is on the page and the books are like workplace romances. Yes. So it's like, you know, Allie Hazelwood's heroine like with a Bunsen burner. I don't I don't actually remember. I I don't even know if Bunsen burners are still used, but like that's what it feels like, right? Like that first kiss, which I will never we talked about it last week. Like the the kiss that begins the love hypothesis happens in the hallway outside of a lab, like a research lab. And so it feels like now when we're talking about STEM heroines, like heroines in STEM, I for a book to slot into this category and this interstitial for me, it felt like they have to be in a, like, science moment. Or, like, doing it on page. Yeah. I have to see them sciencing. Yes. Yes. I have to see them sciencing. Right. Perfect. No, that's, I think, for me, it was the metric, too. Like, there's a difference between it being just, like, backstory versus, like, and, and I mean, I and here's the thing. Listen, I think I'm famous or infamous for like, you know, not wanting to read about fossils. But it's I what I would like to say is it's I don't want to read about fossils, but I would like to read about someone. Sciencing. Someone. Yes. Right. Like, but what like is, in. Yeah. In romance. Like, science, I'm sciencing at my desk here, my table here. While you're you are sciencing there, right. at your table over there. Or just there. also, I mean, I am interested. I mean, it's – look, we we are – I mean, look, I, I, capitalism has made all of us like kind of the work we do in some ways, right? Mm. And I think one of the ways that work – so the work itself, I don't ever want to read about anybody's effing spreadsheets, right? But – the characterization that would tell me that someone like is the type of character to like secretly fix a spreadsheet where like the formulas are wrong. That to me is kind of interesting. Like for example, this week I had to call Sarah about a spreadsheet that we share. And I was like, I don't understand how this thing works. And she's like, well, that's a formula in there. And if you click on that, it will show you all the numbers. And I was like, Oh, see, I mean, uh, to all the spreadsheeters out there, I built this spreadsheet and like yeah. it's a mess. It's just a spreadsheet that, you know, a writer built. <laughs> so, yeah, but I mean, so that's like the thing, I promise like, you my sister who is an economist looked at the spreadsheet. She would get oh, hives no. and like have to take to her bed. Mr. Reed's romance can do weird things with spreadsheets. Like it's I was like, oh, OK. So I do think that those I think that's what I'm trying to say is like the interesting part to me about any character and their work is how they see themselves in the work, the way that it influences the way they think and operate in the world. And I think also the way that they then interact with this love interest who may or may not be part of that world, right? Yes. And I think a lot of the times when they're both in science, the power dynamics are almost always built in because her place there is always tenuous yeah or like maybe not tenuous but it feels like it it was earned in a different way yeah and same thing if the characters are people of color in a predominantly white space right so i think the thing is about like the science part is kind of interesting sometimes i like it but mostly it's who are they in this world especially then when they go home and they're somewhere else or with their friends like that's the part i think is interesting I think the appeal, say, to the love hypothesis, and we did a whole episode on the love hypothesis, so I'm not going to like, which may be why we feel like we've done this recently, because I knows? think we probably like click, we, we sure. slotted When some we of these. talked about Allie Hazelwood. Oh, yeah. We did be. a read. It wasn't an, we didn't deep dive the love hypothesis. We did a, if you loved the love's hypothesis, try right. these other books episode. So, but one of the things that we talked about there was there is this sort of appeal to that storyline the the love hypothesis storyline and the subsequent books all sort of have similar vibes um and the appeal is like these are women who are working really hard to be respected in their world and are coming up against sexism in the workplace 
in an overt way. That is what Allie, that is the, the, the work Allie is doing in those books is sort of shining a very bright light on sexism in science. Yes. I think, I mean, I am not in science, but that is what I take away from these books. That and some very dirty bits. <laughs> I mean, like, top-notch dirty bits. Also, while we're in the subject, I think while we just are touching on the love hypothesis, I'd like to um, pose a theory. I want to come back to why we think these books are really working right now. However, I would like to say that I've cracked the code, I think, of how to make your STEM heroine book popular. And that is the sexy word, science word, as a title. (laughs) Yes. Would you like my examples? Yes, tell me. My exhibits? Yes. Exhibit A, the love hypothesis? Sure. Exhibit B, the kiss quotient? Sure. Exhibit (laughs) C, the soulmate equation? Equation. Yes. And for fun historical, if you prefer your historical flavor – in STEM heroines, the Duke effect. Ooh, I like it. So I'm sure there are more. I would like to hear them from others if they have them. But if you can come up with the sexy word, science word as a title, you might just have a best-selling book. Well, you know who's... a And the new Christina Lauren, The True Love Experiment. But she's not a science heroine, which is I did not bring her up for that. That's just a nice pairing because she is in the soulmate equation. I really yes. like the the romance reader in me acknowledges the romance reader in them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Denise Williams has technically yours, which I feel like is close. She's also similar. Yes. She's she's picking up what you're putting down. The yours technically <laughs> doesn't work as well. Yeah. No, it's, that's a rough one. All right. I, a good, good, smart. Okay. Um, I have just sent you a screenshot of the books we talked about when we talked about Allie Hayeswood, including STEM heroines, so that we would not see, see how much overlap we have. Oh, see, some of theirs I've already said. Right. Oh, right. my gosh. Here we go. All right. I'm going to read these out loud, everyone. I already said The Kiss Quotient, The Soulmate Equation, Advanced Physical Chemistry by Susanna Nix which is part I was going to talk about the whole series, but the series is called the Chemistry Lessons series. And if you love a STEM heroine, Suzanne's been writing them for a long time. These are very funny and great. The Beginner's Guide to Love and Other Chemical Reactions by Six Delos Reyes. Emma Berry and Genevieve Turner's Earthbound, which is part of their uh, space people. Not space Astronauts, you guys. Astronauts is the word I'm looking for. We're useless. People are like, these two ding-dongs should not be talking about STEM heroines when when they've made science into a verb. Everybody with a science degree right now is just dying. They've turned it off. They're we're like, getting ri- we're just getting rid of them. She's like, we're going to start a podcast where we talk about writers in the same way that these two dummies are talking about our jobs. We love you all, everybody. Listen, I love an astronaut. I mean, I've who has even met an astronaut? Are they even real? Who can say? <sighs> Acute Reactions by Ruby Lang. Ravished by Amanda Quick and My Fake Rake by Eva Lee, which I was going to talk about today, but is a really fun, like, yeah. She gives him a makeover in exchange for a science y something. And it's sure. great. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Cara Dion, author of Undeniable, the second book in the Love Song series. This one scratches so many Sarah itches. It's like Kara sat down and was like, how can I make a book that's perfect for Sarah McLean? Here we go. Are you ready? I'm Noah, ready. Noah, our hero, does not believe in falling in love. Click. And he definitely doesn't do relationships, Jen. Click, click. But he has to convince his boss, well, his future boss, that his playboy days are over or he'll lose out on the job of his dreams. So he does what any self-respecting scoundrel slash rake slash Lothario slash, you know, modern day dirtbag would do. <laughs> and heads off to his little sister's best friend's house to say, um, why don't we just fake date sure. so that I can get this job? Make me look good. Yeah. Listen, Callie, 
the best friend in question, has been in love with Noah since she was 12 years old. Of course. So she makes bad decisions, like we all would, (laughs) and says, absolutely, I will do this for you. And we can definitely keep feelings out of it. Sure. What she doesn't expect is having to spend a week in a hotel room with this man she's been in love with since she was 12 years old. Perfect. Listen, I'm for it. I'm yeah. for it in so many ways. You know, your best friend's older brother at the only one bed hotel. What's exactly. not to like about this? Listen, Jen, Undeniable is undeniably the next book I'm going to read. Absolutely. You can <laughs> join us on this journey by getting Undeniable in print or with your monthly subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Thanks to Kara Dion for sponsoring this week's episode. The Amanda Quick sort of like straight up blue stockings were definitely a thing, but I had sort of forgotten that another way that I really encountered this early. I mean, obviously, there's like a whole set of like nurse romances, but also like in a historical, the the heroine as healer was like a really big sure, thing that I imprinted on, right? And I was I reread this week because in times of great stress, I revert back to my. 19-year-old romance reader self, apparently. I reread The Bride by Julie Garwood. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and I completely... Oh, by what name do we call her? Mine. <laughs> Alec Kincaid. I can get it. God, oh, what an amazing God. hero. Okay. What an amazing bug. Yeah. So I had forgotten, though, the entire part where she is a healer, right? And so... She has all these like little medicines and things in jars. No one really knows what they are because he just like picks her up and drags her off to, you know, Scotland as one does. <laughs> and well, so, as the Kincaid does. As the Kincaid does. And then what happens is Angus, who's one of his men, is like more, they think, mortally injured on the field of battle. And they bring him back inside in the keep and they are laying him out and everyone is there to like basically like be, they're saying the last rites, the whole nine yards. And Jamie sees him, like, the, you know, Angus on the table, like, wince. And she's like, he's alive. And they're like, no, he's dead. And they're like, no. She's like, no, I saw him. And they were all about to go build him his box, right, his Mm -hmm. coffin. And so she says to Alex, she's like, well, just let me, look, if you think he's going to be dead already, you can't, you know. What's the harm? What's the harm? Why not let me just give this a shot? like healing this guy. So she is caring for him. And then like the, it's really funny. The priest is helping her and he is like a, he sounds like me, like an asthmatic old man. And so at one point she asks for a goblet of water and then she like mixes some orange powder and then she hands it to the, the priest and is like, here, drink this. I can tell your cough pains you. Right. And so she's taking care of Angus and she, of course he lives. Mm-hmm. And right. And then the, I'd, I'd just completely forgotten what a big part of the plot it is, because then what happens is the news of her ability as a healer like spreads through the highlands like wildfire. But because all of these fucking clans are warring with each other, sometimes she is not supposed to help the people that she's supposed to help. Right. So her sister is like given the McPherson baby, <laughs> right, who won't drink his mother's milk. And so, you know, she brings her the baby to Jamie and Jamie like starts feeding the baby goat milk, which apparently is like formula back in, you know, the medieval times. I mean, it did the job, whatever. And, you know, the the father comes to collect his dead and she's like, you can't have, you know what I mean? Like she has this like fight with him. Oh, that's one of my favorite moments in that book. Yeah. Where there's a miscommunication. And she's like, you know, you'll take the baby. And she's like. I mean, it's great. He she, thinks the baby is dead and she's yes. like, she does not understand that he doesn't right. understand that the baby is alive. And it is right. very, fu- a, it's one a, of Garwood's funniest scenes. Yes. And so then she says, you know, tell, tell your wife that he, he can only drink goat's milk. And this, you know, gruff old man is like, he'll drink his mother's milk. And she like snatches the baby back. <laughs> right. And she's like, you draft, you know, she's like hitting him. I mean, wait, it and is- doesn't he bring like, don't all these people like throw like yes. tools and so shit wait, at so Alex's he- feet? No, no. So wait, here's what happened. So she he does all this healing for various people. And then at the end, right, when her father had given her dowry to someone who she does not marry. And this guy comes like, you know, trotting up and wants Alec. To essentially, like, he wants this dowry 
Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I, I, you know, I deserve this money because I was supposed to marry her and I didn't get her. And then Alec, he, right, like, pokes the ruby out of the hilt of his sword and throws it. It says, repayment for the Lady Kincaid. <sighs> yes. And then all of the other people she helped, who she thought she started a bunch of wars with, throw, like, stones to, right, repayment for the Lady Kincaid. And and he's like, that's, you know, the baby's father. And that's the boy you saved from the wild boar. Listen, and that's – and I was funny. like – Listen, I love all of it, but I had oh, forgotten. Really Medievals are the fucking best. Ugh. Like, I'm sorry. It's amazing. I don't know what is wrong with publishing. They <laughs> cannot get their shit together. But like, if you cannot make money off of medievals, you are doing it wrong. Right? Oh, they're the best. But I had completely forgot. I mean, I've read the repayment for Lady Kincaid and mine scenes A 800 million, million times. times. But I had sort of forgotten that whole mid-run where she's like healing people all over Scotland with her little potions. <laughs> well, they're so anyway. the best. Listen, I mean, this is not really STEM, though it could be. But like uh, in the Wallflower series, Lillian... Um, she, with her soaps, yes. Like she has a, she has like a, she's basically like a soap sommelier. <laughs> like she, she, sure. she can smell. Sure, that like works. she can identify oh, any right. scent, right? That's right. And so she makes these like beautiful soaps and like creates soaps for everyone, and everybody has a special scent, and it's a very a classic Clapis moment. But it's there are these beautiful moments in historicals yes where we see the place of i mean often it's herbology and like yes, right you know witchy like doulaing and stuff yeah but it um because that's women's work right yeah agreed i think that's and exactly has always and had been women's work for you know millennia until yeah. modernity decided Right. That there was power in healing, which of course there is. And so it became men's work. Right. Right. Absolutely. But like when you look back, surgeons were men because they needed to be big and strong and be able to remove an arm in under 10 seconds. Have we talked about that on the podcast? Yes, you totally have. The butcher thing. Yes. It's my favorite. If you are at all interested in the history of surgery and then the advent of, um, you know, germ theory. There is a tremendously fun book called The Butchering Art. Yes. Um, by Lindsay somebody. I forget her last name, but she's great too. And uh, you should def- – it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Well, and that might have been like seriously back in number – season one when we were yeah, keeping track was. of all those lost But anyway, limbs. like sur- surgeons and barbers were men because – you know, it's there is value to he is heavy and can get through a bone in 10 seconds. But, you know, sometimes you need a, sometimes you need a saw and sometimes you need a scalpel. Yeah. Well, and in, it was really interesting because in this she does set one of Angus's he has a broken arm. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not strong enough to do it. Like, I'm going to tell you what to do, Alec, but you have to pull and I'm going to set it. Right. So I, it. It's this really cool. is so interesting. You know, the other day, this is sort of weird, but I, you know this, but the podcast does not know this. That I, so I had a um, an endometrial biopsy a few uh, like a month ago, and um, the and I was talking to the woman who was doing it, my you know the gynecologist who was doing it, and I said, you know, why did you choose gynecology? And she was like, I chose obstetrics because I wanted to be a surgeon, and she was like, but in actual fact surgery but i realized she was she was a very sort of diminutive person and she was like i realized pretty quickly in medical school that like the kind of surgery that i was most interested in i actually wouldn't be good at because i'm too small really and that's fascinating that's wild but that's like a way like yeah even now you know so she's like so i chose so i moved to obstetrics because i still wanted to do that kind of work i mean a plus on the biopsy so all right, so that was my historical. I don't know if it really counts. I feel like it does because she set bones and saved babies. And But here is a heroine who was strong enough to set bones. <laughs> and that is the heroine of Diana Quincy's The Viscount Made Me Do It. 
which was part of the Clandestine Affairs series. Um, you have all heard us talk. We did a deep dive of the fir- first book in this series. Um, and wait, did we? Yes, we did. Right? Yes. Her Night with the Duke. Yes. Um, but the Viscount, so the Viscount made me do it. Uh, the heroine is a bone setter. Um, and he, the hero needs, needs to get boned. <laughs> you didn't even do that. You, you did just fine. Couldn't even do it with a straight face. <laughs> anyway. So, um, yeah. So she is, so she, you know, heals people and also sure. the hero. Um, but that is, that is, we, look, we are on the record for loving Diana. The book is The Viscount Made Me Do It. You should all go read it right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, of course, while we're still talking about these historical heroines with tinctures and tonics, there's Sophie Jordan's The Duke Effect, in which the heroine, who in a prior book, she has always been into tinctures and tonics and like medicine, medicinal herbs and you know, whatever's so elixirs. Um, and in the prior book, she accidentally makes her sister a uh, a, tink- a tonic for her cramps. Yes. That is, oh no, it's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite thing is at the end of the first book, um, you the POV, this is a perfect, last week we talked about epilogues i'm not sure if it's the epilogue or if it's just the very end of the book but the pov switches to the heroine of the duke effect the scientist who has like been has has come to understand the impact of her particular tonic and she thinks i wonder what it would do to a man (laughs) and then the duke effect happens what Uh, i mean a hero for our time is the answer to such a question (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> amazing yeah that's pretty great i yeah it was really interesting because i mean i think historicals i mean we have seen like you mentioned my fake rake and there's some other ones but um certainly i think like um is it the lady's guide to celestial mechanics right where she wants to you know i mean i think we have a lot of books that follow to me what is like the amanda quick all those Olivia Wade prototype, books, right? Or like beekeeper, the yeah, yeah. and the the prototype is sort of like I because I think another thing in historical oh, is like one. I want to be recognized, yeah, right? Like you know, it's like a very clear thing. Like I'm not supposed to be doing this work or be interested in this work, but because because I'm a woman, and so you know, by doing the work, what I really want is to be to be recognized. And I think like that's a big part of a lot of those books is like, you know, giving the lecture, writing the, um, you know, the paper under your own name, all that kind of stuff. And I think that that to me really does speak quite a bit to those Amanda Quick books as well. Well, okay. So wait, I have two more. Okay. I have one more after this. No, I'm sorry. I have one more. Okay. All right. I have one more. I got to call out Amanda Collins, who I'm sort of shocked. I don't think we talk enough about her. I don't think I talk enough about her. She's so good at the job. If you like your romance with a side of, like, mystery, Amanda is for you. In fact, now she writes more mystery than romance. She she still writes historical. Yes. Historical, but her books have evolved from early in her career. They were romance with a side of mystery, and now they're mystery with a side of romance. But her Duke with Benefits is so great. The heroine is a mathematician and she's super into ciphers. Mm. And there is this like legendary cipher that is she she gets kind of a she gets a um like a tip that is mm-hmm. inside the home of a like, of course, handsome. Very sure. stern. I mean, obviously. obviously. Very proper Duke. It's in his mother's library, essentially. Yeah. And so there's like this question of like, is the cipher in her, in this woman, in this dowager's library? And so the heroine gets herself like invited to this house so that she can like skulk around in the library and try and find this famous cipher, which is, which she's into just because it's like a puzzle to solve. Um, but also, Side benefit, 
ends in like riches beyond belief, right? Of course. And of course. of course, the Duke is like, what are you doing in my mother's library all the time? And she's like, you don't need to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really fun and just a delight. So if you haven't read Manda, try her. Okay. I have one more historical. It is, mm. um, it's actually interesting. It is a Harlequin historical, which have you seen those are right. So it's like a category romance historical and it's called, I'm trying to see if I can find my copy. It's called, uh, wait, claiming no redeeming the reclusive Earl by Virginia Heath. And what it is, is she is like a fossil hunter. <laughs> Oh, or boy. like, or like, I guess, I don't know. She, anyway, okay. His name's Max. Her name is Effie. And she, he discovers her essentially like on his land, digging holes, like looking for some pot. I guess it, I don't know if that makes you, I guess not an archaeologist, whatever. No, I guess an archaeologist. They're not just dinosaurs, are they? Am I dumb? I think so. Anyway. Um, no, so, that's, no, they're, yeah, it's fine. Okay. I'm sorry. A paleontologist? Is that no, it's not for? that. It's not that. It's just an archaeologist. I guess whatever. She's not. She just type. likes digging she, shit out of the ground. She, well, and the land of a handsome, gruff, beast-like guy who you will love this part. Totally scarred hero. <laughs> Would it kill some of you out there to write more scarred hero? I guess. So, you know, <laughs> she has this passion for antiquities. And he, of course, is like, I'm a recluse because, you know, no one can ever love myself because of what I am. But then they just are, like, so cute together. Like, it's, like, real bantery. And, you know, they, again, she wants to be part of the archaeologist society, but they only accept papers from men. And, you know, and I think, of course, then one of the things I like about these books is, like, he's going to have to, like, passionately defend her science. Um, but it's great. It's really cute. It's really cute. And I think that it's, like, really one of the things about it is it's definitely, like, if you love those Amanda Quick books, like here is a book that is definitely like has that vibe, right? But is, you know, written far more recently. Really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Maximilian Aldersley. Maximilian. I know. Can you understand <sighs> it? Listen, one of those, one of those names that I was I didn't ask me anything on Instagram yesterday. And somebody said, Is there a is there a name? That you've never written that you want to write. I actually have written a Max. He was a contemporary Max. Yeah. Um. But the, but I was I was like obviously I'm I have to write a Sebastian. That's sure. just the rule. I've got to tell you, Sebastians are popular names now with kids. So yeah, Sebastian for sure. Maximilian. Those are classic romance names. I can't believe you have not leveraged them yet. I mean Maximilian. Yeah. Listen, he's hot. He's a duke. He's a modern day duke. I work with a guy named Max, and I only recently found out that when he was little, his mom called him Maxito. Maxito. And I was like, that's real cute. That's so cute. Right? Oh, my goodness. All right. Where do we go from here? I have I have several contemporaries that I want to. Oh, I have a fun one. Ooh, tell me. Should I do it now? I'm going to do it now. We've talked about. Uh, Marjorie Lou, like, I think we, did we talk about her on the Manimal episode? Maybe. Maybe that's why know. she's in my head. Marjorie Lou wrote a series of paranormal romances in the heyday of paranormals called the Dirk and Steel Ooh, series. That sounds fun. Listen, it knows it's what great. it's doing. I can tell already. It's like paranormal investigations. But there are a ton of mermen in this book, in this series. And... Uh, the in the dark of dreams, the hero is a merman, and the heroine is a half human, half something else. Faye, maybe. Let's go with Faye. Anyway, when they were twelve years old, they met once, and they had this like electric moment, mm. and like it was perfect in that way that romance novels do that sort of like twelve year olds meet. Oh yeah, and, like, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's great to everybody else, but again, I'm. A, like, I know, but you are a middle school. Fine. Whatever, I'm a middle school fine. teacher. It's a little different. It's but a, like, I support you. Listen, the twelve year olds in your classrooms are meeting each other, and their hearts are going boom, boom, boom. It's true. And 
fine and you do not have to enjoy it but whatever <laughs> in the future one of them here's let me tell you what's going to happen in, th- in the future one of them is going to be a merman <laughs> well okay, the other then. one that will surprise me and the other one is going to have spent her entire life studying marine biology to become a like marine biologist so that she can research nice. mer people and find him okay that's actually great i want it yes it's called in the dark of dreams marjorie lou is writes a banger of a book <laughs> She doesn't write romance anymore, which is a big sadness to me. She writes graphic novels now, which I guess, like, kids can have them if they want them. Sure. Um, But, like, what about adults, I'm just saying? Don't we deserve nice things, too? Is this the same Marjorie Liu who is, like, a superstar author for – Yeah. She's, like, a huge deal. (laughs) She's a huge deal. And before she became a huge deal in graphic novels, she wrote – this great series for Avon, Paranormal Mer People. Well, there you go. What can you Dirk do? Dirk and Steel, which just sounds like filthy, but also great. Yes, it does sound great. Listen, the sex is good. The mermen are hot. Oh, monstrous. Sure. Of no course. notes. Also, like, I'm not diminishing. Marjorie is doing remarkable work for young people's literature. Yes. Okay. But like it would kill her to pick up the pen and finish this series. <laughs> That's really, really funny. Well, maybe we should like send her a little clip. I met her once at like a cocktail party here in New York during like some when, back when publishing through parties. And I was like, oh, my God, Marjorie Lou. Oh, my God. I love your series. on." And she was like. She, I could literally see in her head, she was like, this is the first time somebody has referenced my romance yes. novels to me <laughs> in like 15 years. Huh. All right. Well, there you go. This week's episode of Faded Mates is sponsored by Sonia Hartle, author of A Touch Magical, the first in the Zodiac Cove series. Okay, so the people of Zodiac Cove have a really interesting myth, which is that 300 years ago, all the people in town banded together to give up their magic to essentially, you know, stop a curse from sinking their island. And it's, it's good t- sense. It's it's all just good talk, community though, sense. right? It's all just talk. But Audrey Rayner, who's like kind of has like a local witchy shop and shopkeeper, um, really believes the curse. And then one day. Uh, an earthquake happens and releases all of the magic that had been bound by the curse. And all of a sudden, all the people in town realize, oh, I really am magic, including Audrey, who has Scorpio water magic. Oh, boy. I know. Scorpio season all year long. I love it. And the deal is, is she, in order to access her magic, has to touch Wes Latham, who is not only her ex-boyfriend's brother and the man who betrayed her four years ago, but also an arrogant Taurus. <gasps> an earth sign. She has to ground herself. Exactly. I like it. You understand already. He discovers that he can hold lightning in his hands and a side effect of using their magic to try and save the town is that for example they cannot keep their hands off of each other oh how difficult (laughs) for them and how wonderful for us i know it's a great (laughs) premise i love it and i love the idea of all these zodiac signs in this town you know getting together to like save their island zodiac chaos you can read a touch magical zodiac cove book one right now in print or E, or with a subscription to Kindle Unlimited. Uh, Right now, the book is in Kindle Unlimited to celebrate the release of the final book in the series. So once you read this one, you can just keep going straight through to the end. Uh, Just a Zodiac experience. As it should be. Scorpio season all year long. Don't forget it. And thank you, Sonia (laughs) Sonia Hartle, for sponsoring this week's episode of Faded Mates. I have to report I have another doctor. Um, That's fine. That's I think allowed. it's fine. Yeah. And it's one that I've talked about before. But I, you guys, this, I don't know. I struggled with this one a little bit. I feel bad saying that. But I did. Um, it's Farrah Roshan's The Hookup Plan. Oh. Right? And I really like this That's series. I think this series actually kind of bookends with two really 
And what I guess what I want to do, I mean, we've talked about these books a lot. I think this series is honestly really excellent just in general. But also the first one, The Boyfriend Project, she is like an app developer. And then in the third book, she's a doctor. And what I liked about both of these was like first, like the very specific way that as black women, they were very um, aware of like the both the special burden and responsibility and the way that that impacted them in those jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. So Samaya, who's in the boyfriend project, like, right, like she felt this very real um like, like, I don't know, like women in STEM and how hard it was, especially for black women and the sense that she was like mentoring, you know, kind of people below her. This was like really important to her. Right. And then in the hookup plan, it's London, who's a doctor and her hospital is the hero is the guy doing the, you know, the audit of the hospital. And mm-hmm. she is really concerned that the the, you know, cost saving measures are going to impact the patients, right? And I, so what I really liked about this was, right, it, it wasn't theor- only science at a theoretical level. It was science at a very human level. And I think that that's one of the like the other things I also really liked about it is because of the through line of the book were the friends, the three friends. The middle one is a personal trainer. Um, so, I mean, she's really into like exercise and like sort of the body and health Mm-hmm. Is I found it a, when I was thinking about like sort of this as like STEM heroines, I was like, what I really liked about it is here are these three friends that are all very invested in their own work and very much, it's all very much like science based, but it's very, they were all very different. And the way that they related to the work that they did and how they saw themselves as how as part of their community, right? I mean, it was really interesting because in mm-hmm. all of these books, the science work that they do, right? Being a personal trainer and like exercise therapist and right, doing app development, being a doctor, were all really tied into the idea that to be good at science in this way was gonna make the community better. Yeah. Right. And I just thought it was really, I just thought it was like a, I don't know, like that that whole series I think is going to be real classic. Like yeah. I just think it really has so much to offer in terms of what contemporary romance can do. Yes. I mean, Farrah really, what do you what do you call it? She's in her imperial period mm-hmm. with that series. Like mm-hmm. you can see her. Yes. Just she, she has, she has expanded. Yeah. In, and that's because the, the books have allowed her to. Yeah, yeah. Format, word count. Like, there's so much about those books that she is really, like, thriving in that new. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, I mean, we've talked about those as romance, but I just was, like, talking about that series as, like, I just thought it would be, a, you know, a different way of talking about books you've heard me talk about before. Sorry, everybody. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about On Rotation, um, did you ever did you read that? That came I don't out think I think so. last year. Um, it's by Shirlene Obuobi. I think that's how you pronounce it. If not, I apologize, Shirlene. Um, but the it's a similar vibe in the sense that the heroine is Ghanaian American. She's an immigrant. She's like the you know a first generation American child of immigrants. She has like worked her whole life knowing that the rule like she has very clear rules. Like she's going to go to medical school. She's going to you know get a perfect boyfriend. She's going to get married. She's going to like become successful in every possible way. This is a real like American immigrant story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she becomes a like hugely successful she is she is following this path she's a deeply skilled doctor um and you know of course everything kind of falls apart because of of a similar a, a similar thing she's very keenly aware of you know the communities that she is serving of the work that she's doing of the purpose like she starts to really think through purpose of the purpose of her her success um and then and then meets like a complicated hero who isn't textbook. He's, you know, not Ghanaian. He is he's, you know, Mexican American. There's like a cultural thing built into this. It's a really a similar situation, a similar 
a similar way of looking at this book. Like this book is doing immense amounts of work around science and medicine and women and in this case black women and and immigrants um and immigrant communities and what's interesting i just want to say about charlene is if you follow her she's also a tremendously skilled comic artist oh interesting um, so she is both she's a doctor a medical doctor she is a novelist and she's has this like tremendous skill where she draws comics about her work in I think she's an emergency room doctor because her comics are very much about like emergency medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you follow her on Instagram, uh, you can go and you can you can see. And her comics are really powerful, especially over the wake of the last few years. They have been a real powerful um, meditation on medicine, on healthcare, on the way healthcare workers balance life and love and home and family and work and the immense responsibility of their of their work. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I wasn't intending to talk about that, but as you were talking about Farah. Yeah. I have one more. Okay. Go for it. I have one more too, but I need to in classic fashion find the right Okay. I think uh, we've talked about this before, or this this book before possibly, or at least in passing, because we've talked about Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are, which is um, a nonfiction text about uh, women's bodies and sexuality, so the female body and sexuality. Um, and essentially, it's a remarkable – it's sort of a – it was a very eye, eye-opening text for me because uh, it gave me a real sense of – my body does all the thing like everything my body does is normal and mm-hmm. we just don't talk about uh the female body and how it works and how it functions anyway setting that aside emily nagoski is also emily foster and she wrote a duology who i don't know maybe 7 or 8 years ago called how not to fall and how not to let go okay um the heroine of these two books uh, is a scientist. She is a graduate student, and she is uh, has never had has always you know numbers and facts and figures and science and experiments make sense to her. Um, hypotheses being proven make sense to her, but men and relationships do not make any sense mm. to her. And so she, but she understands that like. She kind of wants that experience, and so she does what she does best, which is she decides that she is going to, like, face it head on and attack it with, like, you know, logic and reason. And she goes to a postdoc. This is why I, we're never going to do a – we're never going to do a teacher-student episode. I'm going to sneak this one in. Um, She goes to a postdoc in her department, and she – Charles, and she says, listen, I would really love it if we could just – like you seem like you you're pretty good at sex and i wonder if we could you know and he's like absolutely not in no way you are basically a student in this department i am a post like i'm above you this would not be an appropriate use of our you know it would be inappropriate and so she says okay cool but i'm graduating in like three weeks so could we just do it then so he's like well, yeah, then we could we could do it then. And then but only until you leave and you go to your own postdoc. Like there's we are not this is not forever. But yes, it's like basically a sort of like timed sex deal. Yeah. I love it. And uh so of course, what's sexy about this book and what's really delicious about this book is they do work together. She is sciencing at her lab table and he is sciencing at his lab table like nearby. Um and they're working on something sort of similar and they're like finding, you know, they're finding common ground intellectually and their partners, they're sort of their brains are connecting. Um and also they know that there is a ticking clock like basically 3 weeks from tonight, say. It's on. Yeah. But not before then. And so it is (laughs) so hot. And also, you want to know who writes a hot sex scene? Somebody who understands all the inner workings of the human female body and how it it functions. Sure. Um, The sex is great. It's a two books. It ends. The first book ends on a cliffhanger. You should know that. 
but the second one's out and you can just read them both. Sometimes when I think about like, how would I tackle finding these books, right? One of the easiest ways I think to find STEM heroines is in romantic suspense. Follow me here, right? Like a little off the beaten path. Yeah, that's a good, sure. Right? Because often they are part of a team, right? Like Like, they're forensic specialists. Sure, right? Explosives experts. Exactly. We're going to get to that. So I know that I have talked about Rebecca Zanetti a lot, so I'm not going to, although I think that you you could definitely find many a Rebecca Zanetti book where she's a hacker or she's a this or that, right? But you know who else writes a lot of romantic suspense with STEM-like heroines is Rachel Grant. I think Rachel is so great. Again, very unsung. Yeah. And I was kind of like, have we ever talked about Rachel's books on on the podcast? I feel like we probably have. But this is where I feel like, you know, listen, Rachel Grant is your person, right? So... Um, a lot of her heroines are archaeologists, but like mm-hmm. sometimes they're underwater archaeologists or something. You know what I mean? Like I'm yep. specifically an archaeologist. Um, the one that I was thinking about, it, I think, was in the Flashpoint series, um, which have some great new covers, by the way. Um, Tinderbox, I think, is the one I was thinking about where, um, you know, they are – it's like kind of military on one side and then she's always like a scientist or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that one, she is actually a paleoanthropologist, mm-hmm. right, heading towards a dig. And then this Green Beret, whose name is Pax, like I guess his parents must have been real hippies, um, right? That's in- ironic. Intercepts Dr. Adler before, you know, she can go and, you know, get like taken away by, you know, warlords or whatever. So I think um, the Flashpoint series is one that has definitely a lot of STEM heroines. And then the other series that I liked from her, um, I think, is called Evidence. There's like a couple of Mm -hmm. sub-series there. Um, And so in the first Evidence book called Into the Storm, which I have read, again, he is like a Navy SEAL trapped by the weather in the wilderness. Um, She is an archaeologist. He, they had like this amazing, passionate one night once, and now they're trapped together in some storm. And I was like, yes, I want this. So if you are, if you, I mean, and I think one of the reasons it works for me is, you know, romantic suspense then really puts like whatever that science is that they're doing is life or death science. Yeah. Right. Which well, I think is like- why I love Whiteout so much. Right. So I was just going to say. White out, right? Which is not the heroine. The heroine is a cook in that one, and the hero is the scientist, but he is doing real, like, yeah, life or death, you know, Antarctica science, right? <laughs> and in the second book of that series, she's a pilot, white out, and then sure, I, I don't know what titles are, everybody. So, Rachel Grant, everybody, don't sleep on Rachel Grant. I feel like no, I, I cannot believe listen, we haven't talked about her. We've talked about a few people, listen. These these days, anytime we do an interstitial and we bring up like brand new names that we've never referenced yeah. before, I'm proud of us. So <laughs> we're trying, everybody. I mean, we, you know, almost six seasons in, we read a lot of books, you guys. But like, yeah, it's hard so to many keep up with you. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's funny because I one of the ways I I do the show notes. Everybody knows this. And when I got this new computer like a year ago, I started keeping all of i have a file just called covers and every time i do a cover for an interstitial i just save it now and then i'm kind of like okay i'm going back through and like you know maybe i found this one before but like this file is only a year old and there are so many books in there like we talk about a lot of books so i i'm sorry i know it must be you're like you've talked about this already but like our brains are only so big and they're also you definitely haven't all read it even if we talked about it before. That's true. Maybe you need to hear – like, it's like eating yeah. broccoli. You need to hear about it several times before you're ready to eat it. Um, can I, while we're on this topic, recommend something that's not a book? Yes. Please do. Uh, and I came to this show because they advertised – a listener advertised this show on our podcast. Oh, yes. But Sky Med. Sky Med. Listen, if you love – it's a great. kind of romantic suspense It's not suspense really, but like there's 
that sort of procedure, medical procedural. If you yes. were like Grey's Anatomy, ER, if you were into those, this is really fun. SkyMed is set in Canada and it's between, it's like the groups of the pods of nurses and pilots and like emergency medical people who work together to fly, to basically airlift emergency people in medical emergencies across the great north. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's is, really fun. So it's like, I think the very first episode, the pilot, the literal pilot episode, begins with a bear attack. <laughs> I want to say. Sure. There's definitely one that has a bear attack in it. But it's also like, the it's an incredibly like diverse cast. There's ton, there's ref, ref, sort of, really thoughtful reference and and use and and it tackles indigenous issues and the fact that medical professionals often discount uh the concerns of women of color bipoc women um it's just it's awesome and then on top of it everyone's hot they're all banging all the time it's amazing <sighs> i had a great time watching that show it's on paramount plus everyone you mentioned Grey's Anatomy, and yeah. did you read that article about that was an interview with Ellen Pompeo and Catherine Hagel? Did you read mm -hmm. this? And there's this part where she talks about the famous like "pick me," right? Which we now a "pick me girl," right? Like we use mm -hmm. this phrase. And in this interview, it's really funny because she's talking about like one of them is talking to her daughter, I think, who's like a pick me girl and she's like it's like she's like do you know where that came from that was me and then she <laughs> talks about how much she hated she hated giving that speech and she found it so humiliating she was like i am an adult woman and it's honestly it was really interesting to sort of be like god imagine as an actor being so closely associated with with something so negative that you right exactly right and so she said, you know, she fought that speech so hard, right? It's like, she's I can't beg a man on TV. This is so embarrassing. And then it turned out to be one of the most famous scenes ever. And that made oh. me laugh. Listen, I somehow never did Grey's Anatomy. And now, and then at some point it felt like it's too much. I can't. I also never did Gilmore Girls. And now it feels like it's it's too much. I can't go back. But maybe I'll get there with, maybe I'll get there with, with my daughter maybe we'll watch Gilmore Girl Girls together I think that would feel terrible if you actually had a daughter because you're like this is not oh, really? how we relate to each other but you oh know. really I don't know maybe I won't then I don't know I literally don't know anything about it I know they live in a small town I know they have brown hair yeah I watched the first season of Grey's Anatomy because we had just moved to Seattle oh, so and I was felt like you were doing yeah. research. I was like, oh, I guess we live here now. This seems far more glamorous on the television than it does in my real life. Goodbye. My mother's closest friend has a son who is a doctor in Seattle, and he remains unmarried and is one of the most attractive people I've ever met. Also, he's a pediatrician, so it's even better because like, like every time he's around my kid, he's like... She's like in love with him. He's the best. He's a dreamboat. So I can tell you that um, as a focus group of one, <laughs> there is a, there, uh, doctors in Seattle are attractive. Are empirically. Hot. That's empirically hot. <laughs> and single. So. Well, so that's how it goes. I apologize <laughs> to everyone for my completely, by the way, I sound the allergy season here in Chicago. Yeah, it's well, been a rough I one. I mean, I got a cough. I have a, I have a cough. I don't know what's happening here. I read an article that said uh, if you spend 24 hours outdoors in New York City today, it's like smoking six cigarettes. I mean, are you worth it? I just, there's a lot of homeless people, right? There are a lot of people who have to work outside. And I, you know, that's the thing that's hard. It's like these events do not impact everyone differently. You can be in your house with your air conditioning on and filters. So we have to take care of each other. Well, my love... We did the business. We tried to come up with some new ones. Listen, that was a great episode, everyone. I had a lot of fun. Did you have fun? I did have a lot of fun. Good. 
Everyone, we have a Discord now. Well, we have a Patreon. And if you join the Patreon, you get access to our Discord. And sometimes we send you presents. Um, I mean, it's not a promise, but a lot of people got presents this week. Um, if you would like to learn more about joining the Patreon and the Discord, you can find that information at patreon.com slash fatedmates. Uh, you can also find us online at fatedmates.net for all of Jen's fabulous show notes um, and a beautiful photo array of all the books that we talk about here uh, on Fatedmates. You can find us on Twitter at Fatedmates and on Instagram at Pod. Jen runs the Twitter. I run the Instagram. But sometimes we float in and out of those two places. Anyway, we think you're great. We hope that you are learning about something sciencey. Or doing some science. And if you are, that there's somebody hot with you also yeah. doing science. Sure. Science is sexy. You heard it here. Send 834. <laughs>